0: We build a persona based on what we think that the customer wants, but we never really take the time to go and ask so much for these people or having like clear methodologies of learning what they really want. So I think that human-centered design gets like this perspective um, right, like getting putting yourself in the shoes of the people that you're designing for, I think this enriches any project much more than starting off with what you think would work.
1: Welcome to The Branding Lab, a workshop-style podcast focused on providing actionable advice on how to build a remarkable brand. When host Yvonne Ivanescu decided to launch her own swimwear brand, she didn't know where to start. So she went straight to the experts. And the result? In-depth conversations with entrepreneurs, founders, marketing and brand experts who have created and designed the brands we love and interact with every single day. And now she's here to share these conversations with you. Are you ready to build your brand? Then you're in the right place. All right, let's dive into this episode with your host, Yvonne. Welcome back,
2: to the Branding Lab podcast. Now today we have Juliana who is a brand designer and strategist from Colombia. She studied human-centered design in the Universidad de los Andes in Bogota and did her master studies in brand management at Macromedia University in Berlin where she currently lives. She has been helping brands innovate and reinvent themselves through design thinking and currently works as a brand manager at a technology firm. Now on today's episode, we're going to be doing Something a little bit different. Now, we're going to be talking about how academia influenced and shaped Juliana's understanding of branding and how it has positively impacted her work as a brand strategist. Hi, Juliana. Hi, Yvonne. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for our conversation today and
0: looking forward to discussing branding, our passionate topic. Yeah,
2: I'm so excited. For anyone listening, we actually, Juliana and I had a conversation prior to this interview. And I have to tell you, I'm super excited. um, Because it's just so, it's so important, the things that you're going to, we're going to be touching upon. And so let's start with the first question that I had, because when we did chat beforehand, um, we talked about your experience in your bachelor's program. And how important and how important research was in terms of shaping your, I think it was like your final project. You had an idea that you wanted to go a certain way and that completely ended up changing when you started doing research and you started asking potential customers questions. Um, And I really wanted to dive into that because I think that a lot of people don't really, really understand how important research is before, you know, you start the whole branding process And I think your example is fabulous. So let's start with that one.
0: Cool, Yvonne. Thank you so much. So yeah, we were discussing last time about my bachelor thesis. It's funny because I started off the project with a very clear idea of what I wanted to do. So I wanted to create like a pajama brand because I've always been passionate about patterns, about homeware, about being comfortable at home. Like I read i really i really felt identified with this and i told my teacher okay i'm ready i'm i set up like an interview question list i was all set to start and then my teacher was like wait but the first thing before you get so excited about some uh, cl- very clear idea, you should rather just go to the people and ask them about your idea. But in terms of rest, in terms in terms of what do they do when they go to, go home, and um, how do do they feel about this? Um, yeah, the the pleasure of doing nothing instead of diving directly into your idea of doing a pajama. And I thought that was a pretty smart way to to start. Let's say so. At first, the, the list that I had previous was uh, more centered about like when do you wear a pajama, uh, why do you wear it, what makes you feel having a pajama. But then it all started to transform into a deeper discourse about how do you define rest, where do you rest, what words do you associate with rest. So at first, I thought like it was going to be. Uh, let's say validating the idea that I had at the beginning, and that people would be like exactly the same as me, excited with the idea of the pajamas. But I started to notice there was like a deeper discourse beneath that research. So I found out that actually most people didn't really care about pajamas or what they were at home, they cared about like this ritual of disconnection, and they spoke about uh, this idea of just uh, arriving home and being able to be themselves liberating themselves for like this pressure of producing and being always busy and actually being able to enjoy doing nothing so I started to focus myself a little bit in the community of my university and I started to see that there it it was like a very high stress environment, and resting seemed to be reserved only for uh People that at the end of the day, after being so busy, were able to arrive home. And I found, and I thought, why wouldn't you in the uni be also a place where people could rest and um, just disconnect themselves? So one of the biggest insights of the project there was that students felt guilty when doing nothing, or how we commonly say, procrastinating. So <laughs> this is like a big word, let's say. <laughs> Also, there, like within the uni, we lacked a lot of resting spaces in campus. So the place itself seemed to be built for production and like constant, like constant work. And there was not really like an atmosphere where people could feel safe about letting go. And then I found like this book uh, from Tony Schwartz called The Way We're Working Isn't Working. Where it's said that we are like the system in, we're, we, in which we live in is built to make us operate like computers, so high speed, continuously and for long periods of time. But the reality is that we need rest. Yeah. So, right So the reason that we are so anxious about procrastinating is because we associate procrastinating with like this guilt of not being productive. But rest is so necessary, and this is what I found through my through my research, which, which told me that yeah, pajamas were not as important as this feeling of being able to feel like a guilt guilt free rest. Okay. So at, so at the end, my idea that started being a pajama company ended up becoming an installation, which was a pillow trench uh, that I did like a gorilla gorilla marketing installation in the uni where I just took a corridor, filled it up with couches, pyjama um, uh pillows and everything, and people could go there and just take a rest. And actually that resonated so much more with the community of students than a pyjama idea would ever have, let's say. Mm-hmm. So I so I think that the most valuable lesson here is that we as designers usually start off with a very clear idea of what we want before we really go into Diving into the community and seeing what do they really want to do, and what resonates with them,
2: I think you touched upon such an important point because a lot of the times what we like when we're creating something. I think a lot of our pod, like previous podcast hosts have have been saying that you're not the hero, like your customer is the hero and you're the guide that guides them. Um, so you need to understand what your customers want. And so you need to go out and talk to your customers and ask them exactly what they want. And then from all these conversations, like you understood what they want and you understood what their pain points were, right? So like, what is it that they don't have and w- how can you provide that for them? And I think that's... An amazing example. I think that's great. I mean, you started with pajamas. You went in with very pointed questions, like, you know, but then once you stepped back and once you started creating and talking about like very, I guess, just open ended kind of questions just about rest overall, you saw that it wasn't about pajamas. It was about like this concept of actually f- allowing ourselves to rest. Cause I don't allow myself to rest either. I'm like, go, go, go all the time. And I feel really bad when I'm tired. So, I totally understand your project. Um, and how people feel, especially university kids. I feel like everyone's just like, oh my God, I have so much to do. (laughs) Totally, it's like
0: a really high stress environment and something that I found in the research that was so interesting is that we believe that being busy and constantly producing is going to allow us to accomplish more. But reality is that our brain needs rest. Like it's not about feeling guilty. It's like a necessity. And uh, society right now is not really uh, validating this idea that we need. It's more like a luxury nowadays. So it was really interesting findings when I actually went to the people. I think this is a key point in any entrepreneurship project or uni project related to branding.
2: I had a a quick question because I know, you know, when I introduced you, uh, I said you studied human centered design. Now, for people listening out there that might not understand, like, what do you mean? What is human-centered design? Can you, like, define it for us? Absolutely. So contrary to, for example, graphic design or fashion design, which is very
0: specific to an area, let's say a very practical area, a human-centered design is more towards, like, an, an anthropological uh, view on design. So instead of, this example that we just talked about shows exactly what I'm talking about with human-centered design. So for graphic designers, it's more about the aesthetics and producing like a graphic piece that reflects what the brand wants or uh, like a specific design. But human-centered design focuses more on going to the communities. Like relating to the people and getting the insights directly from the people so for example human centered design is based on this design thinking method methodology that I believe that we will talk, talk about in a few seconds yes um, <laughs> yes so so yeah this is like the basis of human centered design which is like going through a process in which you really dive deeper into what do people really want going putting yourself into the shoes of the people that you're designing for and then designing for them specifically
2: do you feel like human-centered design is something that needs to be in every aspect of the branding process
0: oh i believe it would be very very important to have it and I think that right now, a lot of companies are leaning into this new new innovation methods like design thinking, because they provide a deeper understanding of the people that we're designing for. And it's not like, because usually design starts a lot from assumptions that we have about the people that we design for. So, for example, yeah, we build a persona based on what we think that the customer wants, but we never really take the time to go and ask so much for these people or having like clear methodologies of learning what they really want. So I think that human-centered design gets like this perspective um, right, like getting putting yourself in the shoes of the people that you're designing for. I think this enriches any project. Uh, much more than starting off with what you think would work
2: I love I love that I mean for me I'm definitely doing some assumptions right now when I'm creating my personas but I've said this a lot is like, even if you don't understand who your customers are, you talk to who you think you are, who you think are your customers. And then if you do launch or when you do launch, not if, when you do launch your brand, then you start really understanding, you put yourself, like who's buying your products, reaching out to them, understanding why they're buying it and really getting into the nitty gritty of it. And I think that's really important. Now, let's move to let's move on to your experience in your masters because you started, you studied brand management, so you went from you know like i guess i guess human centered design is branding as well, but you really focused on like let's do branding at a at a master's level and and we were talking about this again and um like previously, and I really kind of wanted to talk about like what do you learn? when you talk when you learn branding at a university level like what is it that they teach you and maybe can you share with us maybe one of the most important lessons that you end up learn you ended up learning about um In in relation to branding? (laughs) Of course. So,
0: well, I don't know if it's like that for all unis that, uh, well, where you you can study branding, but specifically what I loved about my uni is, is that we were like doing a lot of practical projects with clients. So the, the methodology was pretty much like, of course, we had like, let's say, foundations of brand management where we learned, for example, like architecture of brands within an organization, like how should you structure an organization to better serve the needs of your market and um, all of these aspects. But what I found the most valuable, as I said before, was really going with the client throughout the whole semester and developing a project. For them, because well, dealing with the client is what really is, is all about. What you will do after your masters, let's say, so it's yeah. really like building yourself as an as a professional and also like the human aspect of managing a project and like coordinating with your teammates, how to better present the project to your to your client and how to make the client happy. let say this. I think this was like so valuable. And what I I think that what I would say. Was my biggest lesson beside like validating that design and branding is all about people so as I was telling you with the project of The Bachelor uh, that listening to the people and knowing what they want is what could really get you into a successful project project that really resonates with your audience but it's also that branding is as powerful as a company allows it to be because for example, I believe that if a company doesn't take it seriously uh, branding is all up. Maybe a logo, maybe some color scheme, and that's what people would as- associate your brand with. But if a company really takes branding to, like, let's say, a more deeper core level, branding can really transform a business. So. I remember that before my master's, whenever I saw like mission and vision of any company, I was like, okay, well, like this little text at the last part of the website where nobody reads it is not really important. And then I understood that for branding, like mission and vision is the first step because it sets the whole company on a structure, on a path that makes sense for all departments. And this kind of like change of mentality was super valuable for everything that I currently do at my at my job as a brand manager. So
2: so, so I wanted to ask, um, what are I, I don't know if you can list them all, but like what are the steps of branding like that you learned? Like if I'm gonna create a brand, what's because you said mission and vision, which you said were the the first things. Um what are the steps? I have I have a brand, I want to do brand strategy, like what is the process? Well, not I, we don't have to get too in depth into it but like maybe you can you know list yeah, absolutely. them Absolutely.
0: Well actually it's funny because something that I didn't mention is that we used design thinking on my masters. That was also the basis of this studio projects with the clients. Okay. So uh it I can tell you the steps of the design thinking process and that it was literally what we what we did for all our clients.
2: Okay, so, can, we, can we go into what is design thinking? So I think a lot of people are like, what is that? Let's define <laughs> that first. <laughs> of course. So design thinking
0: is like, let's say, a framework that observes problems from the inside out. So it's, it's a way of um, innovate. It's like an innovation method. So for example, in 1969, Herbert Siemens said that design could be a way of thinking. And that design was too important to leave it just for designers. So in 1991, David Kelly founded IDEO, which is like the company, like the pioneer for design thinking. And later in 2004, he founded like the university, the, in the University of Stanford, the D-School. And here he made design thinking like a, a popular or more um, commercial model. So basically, it's a toolbox combined with a, a philosophy. So, in this philosophy, everybody can be a creative, everybody can be a designer. If you just follow like a, a certain steps that allow you to go deeper into the communities, find the insights, and constantly iterate and test if your ideas work to like get them better and better. Okay. So th- that's like pretty much on a macro level. Okay. And this design thinking has five steps. Uh, They are non-linear, like you can start wherever. But I'd say like on the personal experience that I had during my master's, like it works better if you do it like in the order that it is, because it goes from empathizing with the community to testing your idea. Okay. If you want, I can just go through it. and Yeah, um,
2: 100%. To... Tell us. I'm excited. I'm, I'm really interested in this. <laughs> cool. Okay. So the, the first step is called
0: emphasize. So here, what you do is going to the people. Again, what I said throughout the, the whole conversation. So for example, I'll just start talking about one of the projects that we developed during my, my master's, which was with the company called Blacklane. They at the beginning they were like telling us okay we are like a high end Uber solution for executives and celebrities that want to let's say fast track their process through the through the airport and they were launching a product a product called Blacklink Pass which allowed them to um, fast track. Uh, within the airport, like certain security lines, they were going faster and all of this kind of things.
2: The the clients, the clients of the, the limousine are able to fast track. Exactly, yes.
0: Okay. So okay. At, at first, like Black Lane is, uh, was more like positioning itself like as an Uber. And then they wanted to add like this Black Lane path in order to differentiate themselves, let's say. And so they came to us Telling us like, okay, we don't know why, like how to launch this product. Maybe can you help us? We really want to use this like human-centered approach. Would be nice to have like you on board. So, okay, we started. And so the first thing that we did was going to the airport, you know, like not even thinking about uh, what should we do, like how to be structured. We just went to the airport and found out like the people that were like this kind of clients. And just spoke to them. Spoke to them. We created a, a, li- a list of things again that came from the most functional things, like, uh, what do you use to go out of the airport? Do you have some apps that help you? Eh? And up until like, what would you define a perfect uh, trip, a business trip? Uh, what makes your day? You know, like all of these little details that makes the experience like really memorable and valuable
2: for these clients. So and, can uh, I have a can? I'm sorry. I'm going to jump in here really quickly. How do you know what types of questions you should be asking?
0: So, well, the idea is to cover, like, for example, during the design thinking process, uh, we have like a toolbox. So in the toolbox, they tell you like, yeah, like the guide of the kind of questions that you should ask. So it's not, you should ask deeper questions that will reveal not only, let's say, how can
2: i how can I explain this better like their their what they feel i guess yeah i I kind of understand it's kind of like their their motivations um m- more deeper than just like and I guess less pointed because when you say like oh do you use uber I guess that's a like a very easy like yes or no question but you want to go deeper than just like what are your feelings like why why do you use uber instead of just yes or no if you use uber kind of
0: okay so basically like the design thinking methodology like I'm super summarizing but within the (laughs) design thinking methodology you have like certain tools that allow you to go deeper into this findings. so for example there are there is like some cards that you use that have several questions that you can ask there is some methods like shadowing like uh, going and following the person that you're designing for, uh, looking into their bags, like this kind of really innovative ways to find information. But for example, in this particular case, we used one called like Empathy Maps. So it is more about like what you exactly what you were saying, not like yes or no questions, but questions regarding, regarding things like feelings, regarding things like motivations, regarding things like. Uh, pains and gains like trying to find really like what is the person feeling in the space where you're designing and if they really need like you wouldn't go to the person and ask hey what do you think about like fast tracking your process in the airport because everybody will say oh yeah that sounds like a great idea right like people will validate what, what you're saying immediately what you have to do is like go around and ask about like their experience like their current experience What makes the current experience good? What makes it bad? And then after you get all of this information, then trying to work your way through and finding like opportunities here.
2: Empathy mapping. Love it.
0: Exactly. So like something that was super interesting and I still remember, and like one of the quotes of these people that we interviewed in this space became the slogan of the whole campaign. Uh, which was super interesting. And it's actually the campaign slogan that they still use on their website. So we went to this guy, like really busy executive guy. And he told us, like, we asked him, look, okay, what is what makes like the best um, stay here in the airport and like these travels and everything. And he says, it's not the feeling of safety that you feel uh, about having somebody for waiting for you. It's It's more about being able to stay longer in airplane mode. Like this specific slogan, like this specific quote became such a, like the reflection of what we wanted with the product, like for them to have this peace of mind that in their busy lives, when they went to the, when they were in the plane, they were able to stay in airplane mode and they were being able to have like peace of mind. And we wanted them to feel this peace of mind throughout the whole experience. And this was like the first step towards like building this campaign in this emphasized step. That is the first one into this, I'm thinking. Uh, then the second one is called define. So here is like when you take all the data that you found during your interview and you go back to the studio and you decide, like, okay, what is important for the person, what motivates the person. Um, finding all the commonalities between all the interviews that you did and kind of mapping them around. What do you want to do with the product? So here, like sticky notes are your best friend because then you can take with your team and just build and uh, brainstorm everything that came out of the project. Mm -hmm. Um, And you start making some agreements and you start to model uh, what will this campaign look like. Okay. So, um, for example, here, we also found that uh, this black lane was not really so differentiated from Uber, like they wanted to be Uber, but I mean, it was just not working for them to try to be somebody else. So they had to build like this own identity. And also what you were just, just telling, we were just discussing with design thinking, like sometimes you believe that somebody is your audience, but it turns out that when you go into the people, with the people, it's another kind of people. So for example, we found that it was not just about executives and celebrities. We found out that a lot of families, honeymooners, these people were also willing to pay for these services. So that was something that the client never really thought about because they had this clear idea that Blacklane should be something and it was some working in a completely different way. And also like speaking not only with the with the potential clients, but the employees of the company. We found out that some of the loopholes or bottlenecks that they had is that they hired third-party chauffeurs that didn't get like an introduction of the branding of the company and maybe the service that they provided was not aligned to, say, the high-end vibe that they wanted. So they were getting a lot of bad reviews on social media, like, hey, you know, I'm paying for a high-end chauffeur service and... Well, this guy is not as professional as he should be, and all of these kind of things. Like, if you think about it, their customer experience, but it's all about the branding because the branding is the foundation. If people don't understand the brand that they're working for, well, they cannot really uh, show it uh, through their customer experience. Let's say.
2: I I want to stop on this because I want everyone to really listen and like take that in, because your branding is not only an outwards, like you you shouldn't only be looking outwards, but you should also be looking inwards. And I talk about this with a lot of my podcast uh, guests your brand also has to be very important. Like the people that you hire, the people that are within your company, they also need to understand and embody the values and the principles of your brand. They need to believe in your brand. They need to be invested into your brand. They need to understand what your brand is about. They need to understand the personality and the tone. They need to under, They need to really like be in it, you know, because when they're disconnected, when they're talking to people like, you know... the. That's the first point, you know, your employees are the first point of connection to your customers, right? So they're the ones that really need to embody your brand. And I think a lot of people miss that.
0: Absolutely. I agree with you. And that's the reason why, for example, a branding guide or brand style guidelines are so important because as business owners or, yeah, like employees working in brand, we assume that everybody understands the brand the same way that we do. But then when you go in with the people, like it's a, a completely different story. So we all have to be on the same page in order for the brand to live up to the expectation that we had set for it. So I, I agree with you. It's so important that everybody in the company is aligned to the branding. And it comes back to what I was saying of the mission and vision. Like the mission and vision is the starting point. And this is what we what we set up after the, the, the defined step. Like, okay, we need to have, Clear what is the Black Lane brand so that everybody can understand it clients and employees.
2: Okay, so we have empathize, we have define, we have mission and values. What's number four? No, so uh, like, I mean,
0: the mission and vision go into the define section. Like, uh, that was okay, sorry. So, no, like the the first step was emphasize, the second is define, and the third one is ideate. So ideate is when so after the emphasize and define you already have found some patterns and some ideas that are let's say like the highlights that you found through your research with the communities and now it's all about like going creative and crazy and uh, thinking about the the most ridiculous absurd and. You know, like, there's imagination is the limit because then the what, what the design thinking philosophy, um, let's say, says is that in this idea, everything is possible. You, you know, like, it's not about thinking about, okay, uh, what is the best solution, but thinking about all the solutions without judgment. So you gather with your team in the studio and you just brainstorm all the things that could solve all of these problems that you have identified. And the idea is to, not have, have limits of any kind when you think about it, because actually the best ideas are the ones that come up after, yeah, like no judgment and you just identify. Even in the most absurd ideas, like you can see how your own intuition is trying to solve the problems. So here is more like the People usually start, when they don't know about design thinking, people start in this step, if you think about it, like thinking and like, okay, how should we do the campaign? But imagine that in design thinking, this ideate step is already so, so, so solid because you already have a research and a definition of some agreements that back it up. So, yeah, here is the part where you get creative, let's say. And then the final step is called, uh, sorry, the fourth step is called Prototype. It was a final for us because uh, the the client tested the idea, which was then the final step. But prototype, uh, it comes from the idea that you have to fail fast and cheap. So instead of building like okay, wait, wait,
2: I love that you need to fail fast and cheap. I exactly
0: because <laughs> okay. usually, like as designers, sometimes we spend so much time and energy and even money in making some solutions that. Well, they're not effective and that it would be actually more effective to just test, 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 create like the lowest resolution prototype of what you want to do. And when I talk about low definition, uh, low resolution prototype, I'm not just talking about, for example, a product, but an experience. For example, when you're, when we're talking about designing a service, what we prototype is like acting out all the things that would happen in the service, um, all the possible bottlenecks. Like you can prototype anything an experience, a product, a service, a website, even with paper. So, in the design thinking uh, methodology, like they give you a lot of uh, different resources on how to do this. But yeah, the idea basically is fail fast and cheap. And so, yes,
2: this that's is a like- great. That's a great, I, that's really great advice because. What's the what's the point in putting like 2 years into something, all this money, then you're launching, and you're like, "Oh my god, exactly. <laughs> no one wants this product." <laughs>
0: exactly, like, for example, one of my friends is currently working at a co- well, was working at a company that was building an app and they were like 3 years building the app to realize that people don't really want an app, they just needed a website. So You need to really prototype with the thing that least needs effort in order to validate, like, the core idea before you really invest yourself into building this solution. That's it. So that's that's why we say that design thinking is an iterative process. Like, you go over and over and over until you find, like, the best solution.
2: And so then the last step is testing
0: exactly so after you build like your prototype it's all about testing and testing and testing and design thinking let's say is never. you it's pretty much never ending because you can always improve your project all over again like if you think about it after you get like the resulting product or service you can sell all, all over again asking people about it going to so it's very useful innovation me- methodology and it's it's kind of like a lean startup model, let's say, because it's all about fast-paced environment and just learning to adapt and learning to test your ideas before launching them into the market. So
2: I think one of the things that I always say, I think I've said this a couple of times on multiple episodes, is um, if you aren't, if you, what was it? If you aren't embarrassed by the first product that you launch, you launch too late. (laughs) Totally. Right? Agreed, yes. Yeah, Like it's, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are way too much. And this is me too. So I'm not going to say like others. It's me as well. Mm-hmm. We're too much in my, I'm too much in my head. Like I I get the prototypes, I get the samples and I'm like, well, this part is kind of weird. And I don't know if I like this part. And if it was up to me, I think it would take like three years until I would actually launch something because mm-hmm. I'm just so like in my head <laughs> and I love the fact that you say, you know, launch fast and cheap um, because, yeah, if it if fails, it fails. And then you move on or you pivot or you need to do what you need to do. And I think that's a great I think that's great. Um yeah. And I think one of the things that I also say to a lot of people who are perfectionists, who probably are kind of like me in terms of being in their head all the time and like really doubting themselves is to surround themselves with other types of entrepreneurs that can help you move the needle, that can help you put like push you forward so that you're not stuck with this kind of fear, you know, of like, oh my God, is this going to work?
0: Yeah, you have to be very do like a doer. Yeah. Practical and just do, do, do before you think so much about the solution.
2: Yeah, because you know what? If it fails, it fails. Like, so what? The world isn't going to end, right? I keep, I try to remind myself about that.
0: (laughs) But I agree. And I don't know if you have also heard about this, Kill Your Darlings? No. So kill Kill your darlings goes like down the same road. Uh, It's uh, something that my teacher, teacher used to say all the time is like the first idea is not always the best idea. And as designers, we're usually falling in love with this first idea that we have and we believe like, yes, this is, uh, this is it. I made it. Like this idea is going to be so successful. And we are so reluctant to even test if other things are working because we're so sure it's going to work that we just don't see the need of trying anything new but he was always like kill your darlings there was even a, an exercise that he told us like we all had to think about uh, a solution for a client and we all went home and thought about this amazing plan na, na, na. and when we presented to him he was like okay just scrap that think about something completely different and we were all like oh my god what we just made a whole plan to do this amazing thing and you tell us to change it completely and he's just like yeah because we always fall in love with the first thing that comes and we think that it's gonna solve everything but if you expand your 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 horizons and and indeed at the end like the best ideas came afterwards um yeah you have the opportunity to find that that yeah the first idea is usually not the best one
2: I mean, especially I think with my experience, what I ended up finding is that like, I got too excited way too quickly. So I had all these like really big ideas and these really big dreams of what I was going to do. And I quickly realized that I was, those were not realistic and I had to pivot and I had to change. And I I changed a lot from like originally what I thought I was going to do until what I was going, what I'm doing at this moment in time. Mm -hmm. And it's also just realizing and being realistic of like what you can accomplish. And, And I think this idea of testing too, because if you go too big, And this is one of the things that I, I realized is if you go too big, if you invest too much money and you don't know, you haven't even tested it yet, or you don't understand the market and you're going into it, you know, with all of these things and you have a, like when you do fall or if you do fall, you lose a lot more, right? So instead of going like and doing five different colors and like six or 10 different models, like I do a specific amount with one color and I test that and I see what people like and what people don't like. And then I I adapt from that. And I, I think it's really hard because a lot of the times especially me i look at like uh, brands that have been around for like 6 7 10 15 years or who have invest who have had a lot of you know angel investment and they're so amazing and i try to compare myself to, to them and i'm and i'm like i can't i can't do no. that i can't
0: compare myself <laughs> and you know i know all the processes that have that are behind all of those brands like they have failed a million times right but we just see them and we like put them on a pedestal let's say but as you said it's all about the process and iterating and failing fast and cheap definitely I agree
2: I kind of wanted to talk because I know we had a conversation about the limousine company before. And I think that what was really, really interesting is that you said that the limousine company, before they came to you guys, they actually like hired a lot of brand agencies um, that couldn't help them or that weren't able to find the problem. I don't remember exactly it was, but um, I would really love to chat about, you know, now that you're uh, working as a branding uh, strategist, what. Are the differences in the way that you learned branding at school and the way that agency and the industry is doing branding? Are there differences?
0: Well, I I don't know if I can talk for all agencies, but I would say that because agencies are usually like a very, very high, let's say a lot of flow of work from various brands. There is not so much room for sitting and doing this kind of design thinking approach, let's say with every brand. because well, if we're realistic, there is not so much time for research when you just want to produce a a poster or when you just want to produce an ad. So, like, it's a shame because I believe that, as I was saying, saying before, like, this design thinking perspective adds so much value to what you're doing because you really know that you're catering to what people need from you. So I would say, yeah, like, the lack of time into this researching
2: part. Um, How long did I, it take you to research? How long did that part take you with the limousine company?
0: We took maybe like two, one month and a half, two months of just researching. Like,
2: Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's, like, yeah, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, a lot.
0: I mean, like in the first two steps, like defining, and emphasizing and defining for sure, like one, uh, one month and a half or two months because... Well, first, like, we were really, like, in-depth research. I'm not talking about, like, for example, yeah, we went to the airport, but we also made some interviews, you know, like, proper in-depth. This is the step that takes the longest and finding the people. Like, this this part, that's why there are agencies that are just dedicated to that because that is so time-consuming, let's say, uh, but at the end, so valuable as well. So, yeah, usually agencies just keep that. and. They are more focused on producing what the company like the client needs. Uh, the good thing here is that still clients I believe already well, I hopefully they already have like a good idea of their clients and what they want. So as a branding agency, you already start off, let's say with a branding manual. We need some insights from the community that the client has sourced in the best case scenario I'm talking about. So, uh, So, yeah, I think that this is like the biggest difference, like really having the time and the resources to go deeper into the research part.
2: But I, I don't well, think you know, like,
0: right, because when you're in uni, you can dream and you can say like the, you know, like the coolest solutions, and, right? But well, when you get in, out into the real world, not all brands have like unlimited budgets to give you and to make like the coolest project ever. So you really yeah. have to land your ideas and make them realistic and cater to what the client also wants to do.
2: But I think like what you, maybe people don't have the time and all the time in the world to do all of the steps of design thinking. But I think that the first step, which is understanding and researching whether you have the time or you don't have the time, like you have to make the time because understanding who your customers are and understanding why they buy from you, what are their pain points? What are their like psychographics? Understanding like all of these kinds of things are so important because Your customer, your customer personas, they touch upon every single aspect of not only your branding, but your marketing efforts too. Because if you don't know who your customer is, how the hell are you going to market to them? How the hell are you going to write like a blog post if you don't know how you're going to, who you're talking to? And, and I think a lot of the times people don't understand when they have a marketing problem. And this is something that, you know, a past guest said, which was amazing most of the time you don't have a marketing problem. You have a branding problem. And a Absolutely. lot of people don't realize this. It's not a marketing problem. If your are social media or your content writing or all these kinds of things, if you're not getting sales, maybe it's a brand problem. Maybe you don't understand who you're talking to. Absolutely agree
0: with you. And I, I would love to get back to what we were discussing that we left a little bit um, on the air that was when you were asking me about like mission and vision and all these steps. Let's say mm-hmm. like the, the product that we gave the client. Because I think this is also valuable. So yeah, for sure. So yeah, at the beginning, uh, so what when we presented to the client at the end, what we presented was, yeah, first, like mission and vision, this is essential because it allows you to see where are you going, like setting a goal, where you are, how you're going to get there. Like, this is so crucial. Secondly, like, well, the typical branding elements that we already know, like, color scheme, typography, all of the graphics, visual related uh, elements. But for example, what was interesting is, um, well, in this specific case of the Black Lane company, we also designed like the service. Um, here. We, we branded the service. We we highlighted the need of having like a branding guideline for chauffeurs because we knew that because it was an international company operating in airports all over the world, they had to hire third-party chauffeurs that didn't get the brand, what we were talking about before. So we just made a booklet in which the chauffeur got an introduction of how she, he should act, act, what he should do. Uh, best practices, what he should have in the car, all of these things that for us might be obvious, let's say, but that were so valuable for the company and well, according to them, really made the difference because other 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 branding agencies were focusing more on things like the aesthetics of the campaign, how to sell this Blackline Pass, uh, making it appealing for executives. But they never really went and considered people like honeymooners, like families of people of kids, like four kids that needed a transfer to fast track them and to make their lives easier. So I think that we, we were able to go at a, a level deeper well, do, using the design thinking methodology, let's say. Um, what else? Yeah, like proposing a loyalty program. Like a lot of strategies that they could um, apply so that their service was a little bit more robust and their differentiation was not like, yeah, we're another Uber, but high-end Uber. Like if you say that you're a high-end Uber, you're already failing because you're already like putting yourself like so close to the other brand. You should be building a name for yourself. Right. So, so I think that this was really valuable for them. Like the service blueprint and really knowing who their audiences were that maybe they didn't even consider
1: before.
2: Yeah, because like you said, knowing who your audience are, then you can create marketing strategies or campaigns specifically to those people. And if you think that your audience is only uh, celebrities and businessmen, but actually honeymooners or families are interested in it, then you're marketing or you're talking to the wrong people, right?
0: Yeah, exactly what you were saying before. Like You really need to know who you're talking to and solving their real needs, not what you think they are.
2: Now I wanted I wanted to ask a quick question because I know you keep talking about a, a toolbox and you say like uh, design thinking the design thinking toolbox um, what is that and where can I find the toolbox <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so okay at, at the beginning I was saying
0: that uh, this guy David Kelly uh, created Ideo which is the first company that started to implement design thinking and he, well I mean he developed like a whole philosophy, you can do like the full course on it. It has so, it, it's so deep, you know, it's really like a way of thinking about problems. Uh, actually, he's really into, for example, solving social problems. Like um, he goes into communities in Africa and uh, yeah, solves uh, water issues and all of this. And the toolbox, well, the one that I'm talking about, it's called like IDO cards. So these ideal cards uh, are used for every step of the design thinking. So there's one for mem- emphasize, one for ideate. And they're really, some some of them are really funny and crazy, but they're so useful. For example, there are some that are a day of the life. It's called, the, the card is called a day in the life. And what you do is that you follow or you are with your potential client, like the whole day, like tagging along what he does and taking notes of what he does and finding like, opportunities for example how your product would fit into his life there Uh, another one is called what's in your bag so you tell your potential client of course with their consent consent right like hey what's in your bag right like what do you carry around and you can find a lot of people uh, up like doing these little things you know so So I think that these ideal cards are very, very, like a very innovative way of finding like these insights. And I believe that you can buy them on their website.
2: That's great. I'll make sure that if you read the notes of this episode, I will add the link there for anyone who maybe would like to include some design thinking strategies into their branding efforts, because I Actually, I'm going to look into that because I think it sounds super interesting.
0: Yeah, it is really um, super interesting. because
2: it's, I think those questions that you just said, it really allows you to see like you need to understand exactly who your customer is. Like what is in their bag, Like you, like you said, what do they do every day? What do they buy? I think it's a lot of the times we don't go that deep. And I think it's really cool that there's, you know, in design thinking, it forces you to really ask those types of questions
0: exactly yeah it's more like it's anthropology if you think about it like really focusing on the person more than starting off with the design or the branding side so this human dimension gives it so much depth and so much relevance to the life of the people that you're doing things for so yeah take a look Yvonne I think that is super valuable and really really
2: cool now I think one of the so one of the things that I usually end off the podcast with this is a question. I think you've already answered it, but you know what? We're I'm gonna ask it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think is the number one fatal mistake that a business can make when they're going through the branding process?
0: The fatal mistake. Well, I think that we've mentioned like yeah. a couple of them, but the biggest one is like taking not taking branding as seriously as it should be like it's beyond the logo is more like the philosophy of your business is how you're going to be unique has how you're going to be different is i mean for me branding is like when you fall in love with a person like what makes that person special enough for you to stay loyal to that person to look forward to see that person like if you're not unique if you don't use branding in like let's say a serious way you're going to be one of a one of a million in the internet, especially nowadays. Like any business right now competes on a on a global level with the internet. So branding is the tool that will allow you to differentiate. And I think that many business owners don't take it
2: as seriously. Amen. <laughs> amen. Yes. Amen. I'm just gonna add that 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 same with an amen because yeah, that just Perfect. Now, unfortunately, Juliana, we are at the end of this episode. I think we provide a lot, you provided, not we, you provided a lot of amazing information. Now, if someone wants to maybe chat with you further, follow you on Instagram, like where can they find you? Well, personally, I'm a LinkedIn nerd. So find me on LinkedIn, on Juliana Reyes. That's where I really go deeper
0: into the branding topics. I'm happy to have discussions about this, about design thinking, about also the part of the academia. So feel free to reach out. And Yvonne, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation.
2: I did too. And for anyone listening out there, if you do end up implementing design thinking strategies into your branding processes, please reach out. I would love to hear how it went, what you think, um, because I, I think this is amazing. And I think everyone should should look into it more. Anyways,
1: thank you so much, Juliana. And until next time. Okay. Thank
2: you, Yvonne. Oh.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Branding Lab podcast with your host, Yvonne Ivanescu. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, or leave us a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you next time.